What's up, guys? Welcome to Rice Cakes and Pears. Uh, I want you guys to feel welcome. I hope you guys can just take a chill sesh, pop open some rice cakes, eat some canned pears. You already know. Today's guest, we have an awesome dude. Uh, his name is Justin True, and this guy is a wild story. He is someone who inspires us just going through hard times, and that's really what this podcast is about. So, Justin, uh, thanks for coming on. How you doing? Good, man. I feel I feel really ill-prepared now that, like, it was a given I should have had rice cakes and pears on hand. Like, 100% should have had some on hand, man. Dang it. <laughs> Dude, I, so I've, I've been considering maybe doing, like, an intro, like, music thing. I, I do like to keep it straightforward, but maybe I'll have to get some sound bites of just, like, opening a canned pear and yes. chewing rice cakes. Be great. <laughs> just make that a universal sound that everybody knows now, like, oh, dude, that's the sound of a canned pear opening. <laughs> yeah, dude, we need to educate people about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, you have soda. When you hear, like, a soda can open, you know it's soda. You know it's yes. a beer. But, like, you need, you need the tear of a rice cake package to be oh. – Crisp. Just universal of like, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> hey, do you do you have a favorite flavor of rice cake? Oh, dude, um, I got. I mean, the chocolate is so basic because chocolate yeah. is just great. But it, it, you know, chocolate, chocolate is good. But I would say like the caramel. I really like doing caramel with uh, like any kind of spread on it. Dude, it's always solid. You? That sounds so solid. You know, I, <laughs> I'm eating a lot more food now, so I should venture into the rice cake flavors, but. For so long, I just had the <laughs> the plain rice cake. Oh, man. Was it that like the flavored ones would mess with you still? Um, yeah, they did. But oh, honestly, man. I should be clear. Maybe I'll have to go get some rice cakes after this. Oh man, like it's pretty interesting to me. Like I like with all these things we'll go over of like doing challenges yeah. and stuff. I find the food science of them like the most interesting part, and the part that gets me going is like breaking down the science of food and health and and uh, like seeing that like different flavors of the same thing would yeah. be able to like have that much of a play in your diet. Like that's crazy that it like would affect it that much still. No, it's insane. It's so funny. Cause I'll, I'll tell people, um, Oh, I can only have rice and pears. And they look at me like, are you serious? That's the most weird sounding diet I've ever heard. But for whatever reason, my body just, whenever I would eat food, it just attack these, uh, yeah. <laughs> whatever, you know, it's crazy, but yeah, man, tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. Um, where to start, man? It's a loaded um, question. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, I guess I'd start from the womb. Um, Heck yeah. <laughs> circa 1992. Uh, yeah, so basically, like, um, I'm a pretty easygoing guy. I, I don't really see myself as being something too extravagant or anything. Pretty down mm-hmm. to earth. Um, just like to challenge myself and push myself. I know that I've been in, like, some pretty dark holes. And yeah. uh, I just don't want to go back there. And I mean, even before this, literally, like, I think before I do anything, I am rattling my brain trying to find an excuse not to do it. Of like, I was like pretty, like, just in an upset mood uh, mm-hmm. between like the gym and this. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, man, I know if I can get to this podcast, like, talking to you, I'll be in a better mood. But in between, literally, I finished the gym at noon and it's one right now. All I wanted to do was come up with an excuse on like, not to do it like it's anxiety it's yeah it's being an introvert like i just but i realize that that's just a hole that is gonna get deeper and deeper and there's so much things in life that's just like that you know totally so all these things i do is just trying to bring me out of that hole and i realize like all right man i have to fight to get to this like one o'clock meeting and i know i'll be good you know what i mean yeah it's uncomfortable positions 
Yeah. No, dude, you know, I, uh, I mean, I still like, I've been, I started this podcast last October after dropping out of some college classes and like, I still get like, like my heart races a little bit before these, just cause I'm like, maybe it's the anxiety, social anxiety, but I always feel better after. I don't know about you. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I went to, uh, I had like a couple of dinners lined up this week, uh, with uh-huh. just like a, a really good friend with one of them. One of my friends, uh, who passed away, um, his mom, I went out to dinner with her last night and before, man, I was so nervous. And I was like, yeah, wow, like before this, I wanted to come up with an excuse of anything. And, you know, uh, and she's like, that's so crazy. You strike me as such like, you know, a bubbly, like cheerful person. I'm like, I am, but I hide it really well. Like, <laughs> you know, I hide that introvert side and that anxiety side really, really well. But, um, I don't know. I think we're all kind of like that. Once we just get flowing and get talking to people, we realize there's nothing to worry about. Oh yeah, no, for real, dude. We're like very similar. Yeah, man. <laughs> like what you're saying rings true. Yeah, and I'm sure it does with so many people. They just need to hear it. Like uh, a lot of things. Like the same goes for all like the running I've done lately. People are like, man, uh, I like I did the David Goggins four by four by forty eight. You know? Yeah. Um, the other week, two weekends ago, and people were like, oh man, like that sounds like really fun. That like you like running. I'm like, no, I hate it. Like <laughs> I absolutely hate it. But I know that like. By doing it, I'm going to reach this end goal that is just going to fulfill me so much that, you know, not, not all of us like it and are fueled off of it, but we, we love what comes after the byproduct of it. Oh, for sure, dude. And it's just putting our, we, have, we have to put ourselves in uncomfortable positions in order to achieve anything. You're not gonna, just going to coast to, you know, to greatness by doing nothing. You got to make yourself uncomfortable. Yeah, no, dude. So you have some world records. Let, let's yeah. tell our guests about that. That's so awesome. Yeah. So um, a couple of years ago, I would say like probably probably four years ago, uh, I was living in Barcelona and I had looked up like the national three peaks, I think is what they're called, or the UK three peaks uh, hmm. up in the UK. And basically it's like the tallest peak uh, in Wales, the tallest in the in England, and then the tallest in Scotland. And I was looking at all the, I wasn't really like looking at records. I was just was trying to like see gauge, like you're supposed to do all of them in under 24 hours. Jeez. And I was just trying to gauge on how fast people do this. Like, is it really, is it cutting it really close or what's the deal? And I could find all these crazy fast times that like ultra runners have done it. And like all these fell runners have done it. But, uh, and anybody who's done it solo has done it with a, a driver of their own, like couple drivers uh-huh. that drive them from place to place. And when they're in the car, they can rest and eat. And so I was the first known person to do it uh, completely solo. So I drove myself to the mountain. <laughs> uh, I drove myself to the mountain. I did the first one down in Wales and uh, it was pouring rain. I went up the wrong cliff side. I went up the wrong trail and I remember looking online, hearing that, like, the one in Wales, like, they're like, oh, yeah, during a sunny day, like, even, like, you know, your grandparents can go on it. Like, it's a pretty easy trail. <laughs> and I'm going up it, and I'm, like, rock climbing. I'm like, dude, I'm not, like, I'm not trying to, like, be cocky, but, like, I'm pretty athletic, and, like, this is difficult. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I do not see my grandma doing this. <laughs> and I realized that, like, I had gone up the wrong part where – had I slipped, I probably would have died. Like I probably would have went tumbling down the whole mountainside. Holy and cow. So I'm getting up it and I'm trying to like record on my phone as well. Like take little, like, you know, talks while I'm doing it. And, um, mm-hmm. it's pouring rain, my phone breaks and I, I hit the top and I come back down and, uh, my phone is already lo- like waterlogged and everything. And I see the trail I was supposed to go up 
And I'm like, oh, damn, okay. <laughs> so I get back, and it's, it's like 10 at night. It's still pouring rain. And I'm like, well, I can't go anywhere. My phone's broke. I don't have any directions. Like, this whole mission is now ruined. Um, and, I like, I've done all of these, like, things that we'll talk about for, uh, for charity. I've always done them. Wow. For, like, this one in particular is for Make-A-Wish Foundation. And I'm like, shoot, man, I literally flew all the way up here. I have a flight out of Scotland, uh, Edinburgh, tomorrow, basically. And I don't even know how to get there anymore. And my phone's broke. And, oh. uh, yeah, man, it makes you realize, like, it's like 1990 again with no cell phone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, how should yeah. you guys do it? Do you guys just follow the sun? Seriously, uh, though. And so, yeah, I, like, I, I went to a hostel nearby, and I found a bag of rice. I put my phone in the rice. And then I was like, well, the, the challenge is kind of ruined. I've spent four hours doing this, and I need my phone to soak in the rice. And I was like, well, I'm just going to start over. Like, I'm going to go run up the mountain, the correct trail, and then I'm going to run back down it. And it was 1 in the morning, and hopefully by the time I'm done, my phone will be, like, halfway alive. And so <laughs> without my phone or anything, I put on a headlamp and ran back up the proper trail now, reached the top, and then came back down. My phone was halfway working, enough to where it could, like, speak and tell me where to go next. <laughs> and then I just pushed on and uh, eventually ended up doing it in, like, 17 hours which that alone was like pretty good time but um just doing it entirely solo between uh like no extra drivers no support cars it was just myself driving myself getting down to the bottom i'd hang my clothes up in the car and uh i'd only stop to eat at gas stations when i filled up and yeah so that was like the first one where i was like oh man that's actually like a world record for this like nobody's ever attempted this solo solo so was that the first world record you did or were yeah. there previous yep. ones? Yeah, so, so that was the first one. So after that, were you just kind of like, wow, this is really cool, do it for charity, and it's also just very satisfying and rewarding? Did that kind of motivate you to get more, or is that just how it happened? Yeah, I really wanted to help people, and I loved pushing myself and doing stuff yeah. that a lot of people were like, oh, no, like you shouldn't drive by yourself. That's really dangerous. You should have someone with you. Right. Um, and just kind of telling me that I shouldn't be doing it or I should train more or this or that. And I don't know. I just, I just like helping people. And, uh, before that I was fighting, like doing MMA for, you know, quite a few years for about eight to 10 years. I, I fought. Holy cow. And, uh, I just, I love the adrenaline of it and I needed something to keep me going like athletically and, you know, just moving around. And, yeah. um, I don't know, like fighting was just such a crazy world and it was so peaceful as odd as it sounds that um, I just needed something to put me in that mental space again to, to stay healthy mentally and to keep pushing myself. Cause when I get too stagnant, I get into pretty dark places mentally with like depression yeah. and everything. And so that was something I realized like pulled me out of it and not just pulled me out of it from like the physical aspect itself in challenge, but the fact that I'm helping somebody in the big scheme of things, like it's not just, I'm helping myself mentally, but I'm helping somebody else out there. Um, whether it's on the charity side that they're on the other end of it, or it's somebody who's reading my story and like, Oh dude, that's pretty cool. Like this guy did this. And then, you know, eventually piling on a big enough resume of just like crazy things that people say they <laughs> can't be done. People yeah. finally like start finding, you know, some, some light in it and being like, man, well, if he pushed himself to this extent, like I can push myself at least to half that. Let's do it. Yeah. That's all dude. I want. Dude, I'm ready to go break a world record. Let's do it. Come on. Yeah. So, so the second one, I believe, um, was, so the second one was the carpool. 
um, was running a marathon, pulling a car, and it was 3,000 pounds. So, like, a, I think a ton and a half is what it is. <laughs> and so, crazy. Um, yeah, I saw that Ross Edgley had done it. It had been done before, and I was just really bored that year. Um, <laughs> it was, I think, 2019. 2019 was, like, a crazy year for me as far as, like, doing – like, that was finally once I started, like, man, this is something I want to do. Like, this is this is it. Uh, yeah. After fighting, I just – I just wasn't sure what I wanted in life anymore and what was going to fulfill me. I knew I didn't want to live like a normal life, like, you know, I don't know, just not helping anybody, you know? Right. Um, and so 2019 was like a big year for me uh, with all that and finding out what my path was. And I mean, well, I'm 29 now, so I was 27, I guess. Like, yeah. So, you know, it took me a while. Like, it took me a while to find <laughs> And I guess it's, it's all different for us, man. People find their calling at a younger age. Some find it at 40, you know? For sure, dude. Um, but the carpool was a pretty cool one. I had met a uh, a friend or just this guy that I had met in a hostel in Cairo in Egypt. And he uh, he was from Palestine, so it's pretty relevant with, like, what's going on right now in the world. Yeah. Um, but he was just, like, the nicest person in the world, man. Like, I've never – he would say, like, things that we would think are really, really rude. But mm-hmm. – we, we say it and we have like bad intention behind it to be rude to like hurt someone's feelings. But he would say stuff and not intend for it to be mean at all. He didn't understand what he was saying was mean. Cause he was such a kind hearted person. Yeah. It's like, Hey man, like, like you gotta kind of think about where you're like, that's a little bit rude. And he was like, well, no, but I'm just saying like, that's like the matter of fact. And I was like, well, <laughs> I, I can't fault you for it, man. Like you're saying it was such a good heart and you don't understand that it is like kind of rude. But anyways, he was just like such a genuine person. And I, I think about like everything he's seen in life um, uh-huh. is probably so just more than I can ever imagine uh, growing up and what his family's going through. And that really was a changing point in my life when meeting him and realizing like, man, I've never seen this guy not smile. Like he's always smiling. He's always cheerful. Yet yeah. He's been through 10 times more than what I'll ever go through in my life. How, how do I have the right, to be sad one day, you know, like granted right. we all have the right to be sad, I guess, but just look at it and realize like, what are you actually sad about? Is it actually worthy of that? Or are you just kind of like, you know, mourning in your own sorrows, you know, and feeling bad for yourself? Yeah. Well, I feel like the people who are most happy of most, most of them have really been through some low points and I kind of feel like such positive energy from you. And obviously you've been through so much. So I was wondering if we could maybe start from really where it all started with this crazy journey. You've been on ups and downs, mental health, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so basically when I was younger, uh, Oh, so the thing with that guy, uh, I was pulling the car for him. He had a really oh, cool, yeah. he, he had a really cool, uh, opportunity to go to school. He got accepted into a college in Florida and he couldn't go. And so somebody that we had also met in the hostel had set him up to go to college in Canada and he had to raise enough money to pay for his first year of French because he had to learn French. Yeah. And so that was the whole goal was to raise enough money for his tuition behind it. And that ended up breaking a world record on the other end of it. So somebody told me afterwards, they're like, dude, you know, the record was like seven or 19 hours, right? I was like, <laughs> oh shoot. I guess that's like, that's beat his by hours by beat him by two hours. So it wasn't, the, it wasn't the, the point of it all, but it was a, definitely a cool caveat to have at the end. But just being oh, yeah. able to help him and raise money for him was so cool to be able to, you know, he's changing his stars and his family's life just by that. So 
anyways, that, that's amazing, man. That's so awesome that you did yeah. that. So that, so that was, that was definitely a big motivator for it. It was just helping somebody, but yeah, man, where I started, um, yeah, I would guess it's like probably when I was 14 or something, I grew up in California. I was like pretty happy kid. Um, had my brother, he was three years older than me. So probably young, I was probably younger than 14, but he was always, he was always in trouble. He was just like a punk kid. Mm-hmm. Always literally, he has set the bar. So, I mean, depends how you want to look at it high or low. He yeah. has set the bar for me in so many ways to where I am an absolute angel. Like <laughs> no matter what I do, I will, I've disappeared off the face of the earth for like weeks at a time where my mom wasn't sure if I was alive or not. And she just like, oh, well, I mean, your brother's done worse. So <laughs> she's not, she's not like bothered by anything. People are like, man, she probably like has a heart attack when you leave. Like, nah, she expects it. Um, <laughs> just the usual. Yeah. Like I'm definitely the crazier one as far as like putting myself out there. He was, mm-hmm. uh, he was just pretty intense growing up. He, um, he got into like pretty heavy drugs, like using needles and whatnot, probably around like, I want to say 15, give or take a year. And, uh, like getting into heroin and at that age, that's just insane. Like yeah. I didn't, I don't think I like smoked weed until, I don't know, sophomore, junior year in high school. I just, I didn't drink till then either. Like I, I, I was, I didn't, I don't know, just wasn't me. I was always yeah. an athlete playing basketball. So we were definitely polar opposites. Um, never got along when people talk about like your brother fighting, we were, uh, I'd always tell people it and they'd be like, dude, that's, that's like not normal. Like, when we talk about brothers fighting, it's like fists and like sometimes you like pull each other's hair maybe. But yeah. like we were using knives and hammers <laughs> and flamethrower. Like you no know when you take guns. like yeah, like 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 you know when you take like a, a deodorant can and you spray it and make a torch? <laughs> yeah. Like that was that was a common weapon. Um, Holy yeah. Uh, ninja somebody remind me the other day, ninja stars. I definitely threw a ninja star at him. <laughs> yeah. Pretty good uh, aim. It sounds um, so fake, but it's real. Yeah. That was the thing is like, I remember I was dating this girl at like 21 and she was like, that's like really serious. Like you should definitely see someone about that. And I'm like, <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? She's like, that's a really aggressive past. And I'm like, no, it's not. That's just how brothers are. She's like, no, they're not. That's not how it is. <laughs> <And> so, <Yeah. laughs> it was a, it was a pretty brutal upbringing. Um, my dad, my mom was an like, absolute sweetheart. She would always have our back. But uh, our dad was just never really there. And when when I did call the police, because I thought my brother was going to kill me, um, yeah. the, the police would show up and they would just sit down and have a beer with my dad. Like, they, they, they were really good friends with him. And growing up, it was always kind of a conspiracy. Well, looking back on it now, um, we used to have the head of the Hells Angels chapter, like the motorcycle gang, you know? Oh, we always used to have them hanging out, hanging out at our house. And then we had the sheriff department hanging out at our house as well. And so <laughs> it's definitely a weird combination. Totally. And, uh, and my dad always had really, really, we were from a small town of like 40,000 people and kind of country ish. And he always had like, you know, half million dollar cars on the back of his tow truck. And I was like, <laughs> and he would drive them to Philadelphia. He would drive them to Miami. And it's like, I, who who's hiring you of all people to drive these like expensive luxury cars across the States. So there's always conspiracy of like drugs and whatnot. So he was always kept up in his own thing. There wasn't really much time for us. Uh, my brother and I, buddy, we just kind of tried killing each other every day. It was, I think 
the abuse that my dad put my brother through, I was so young, he didn't really like go after me very much. But mm-hmm. I think the abuse that he put my brother through uh, was just translated back to me. Like my brother would be like, well, I'm getting picked on. Like I'm going to pick on somebody else and make him feel better. So I think that's definitely where like my kind of toughness and like resiliency kind of came along to, you know, like there are so many times where I could have gave up and just, I guess died. Like, but I was, I was so stubborn that I would not lose. I would not take losing. What was the uh, age difference? uh, Three years. Okay. Yeah. So around, I would say when I was 14 or probably 12 to 14, he kind of disappeared. He was always in and out of, uh, like juvenile detention. He was always coming home in cop cars late at night, uh, kind of in with gangs and whatnot. And we looked really alike and people, people, I would have to walk around town scared because people either knew me as buddy's brother or they thought I was him. And then they would jump me. And so I was was always getting from everybody. I'm like, man, this stinks. Like people would ask me, Hey man, so, so you you buddy's brother. And I'm like, nah, man, I have no idea who you're talking about. (laughs) Like, I don't even know if you guys are on good terms or not, but no, the answer is no. Um, yeah. So yeah, we, uh, we definitely grew up pretty aggressive, never loved each other. Um, and then kind of a housing market crashed in California, or I guess in the, in the U S and we, mm-hmm. our parents ended up losing their house and we went bankrupt and everything. My, uh, my mom moved up to Oregon with my grandma and that's where we moved. And, uh, my dad and them, that, that's when they got divorced. My dad was extremely, like, just such an awful person to my mom. Like, she is such a sweetheart, and she's kept me out of jail numerous times, and I can't imagine how many times she kept my brother out of jail, um, even though he went all the time. Um, yeah. yeah. He probably would have lived there. Um, he probably <laughs> would have had residency if it wasn't for her. So <laughs> she was she was amazing, and he just, my dad would just verbally beat her down like no other Um it was just hard to, I guess, watch now looking back at it, like how difficult that was, you know? Um, yeah. Sounds and, traumatic. Yeah, man. I like at the time it is what it was, you know, but now looking back, it's like, man, it was, uh, it definitely is the reason why I gravitate towards women so much more. Um, mm-hmm. it's just bonding and relating. When I meet my friend's parents, like I don't really connect with their dad too much. I think it's cause I'm just against the whole like male, gender and with females like i just i love i love on them so much like i respect moms and women so much because you see how strong they are man it's crazy yeah Um, women rock yeah man like my mom i always say it like people think i'm tough because i fought or because i do crazy things but like if it wasn't for the weight difference like she would beat my ass like (laughs) (laughs) she is so so tough um when so that gets into moving to oregon um it was pretty like violent divorce as far as like yelling and uh just like the threats went i guess um still had never really seen my brother he disappeared i that was a big pivotal moment where now my brother and my mom moved to oregon and i wanted to be around my friends and only my friends so i stayed in california and uh my dad i was living with my dad in the trailer and i hated him he was such a bad guy but i wanted to be around my friends so it didn't matter Mm -hmm. and my mom started dating this guy in oregon and he um he started becoming, my dad's a really manipulative guy and he started befriending this guy. My mom was dating and it was super weird. Like that's just such an odd relationship. Like why are you talking to this guy and everything? And I kind of figured it out that he was talking to her and my mom kind of knew. And as time went on, uh, I guess like, 
I mean, it's a tidbit in there, but like my dad was just super abusive to me now that he didn't have my brother to throw around. Now, like I was there and I was about 15, anywhere from like 14 to 16 at the time where I would show up a couple of minutes late at night and he would just throw me on the ground. And he was a big guy. He was probably like 250 to 270 and just a big guy, Uh, a tow truck driver. So obviously he's like strong and I was weighed maybe 150 pounds and he would just throw me around and I would, I would laugh and I would just take it. Like I'm so used to my brother having like weapons. I'm like, man, if someone's got fists, like that's the least of my worries. Yeah. It's all Um, normalized. Yeah. So it just was another day of like just bearing through it where I didn't want to break and show anybody I was weak. And I think that goes back to who my mom is. Like I just never saw her break ever. Um, And I think that just kind of is where I'm at now with life where, you know, she's never broken as time went on anyways. uh, Mm -hmm. Um, she, she started dating this guy. She figured out about him and my dad being really good friends. And, uh, my brother is still like traveling around the States, hopping like freight trains and doing a bunch of drugs and overdosing a bunch. Like <laughs> I had talked to him the other day about it. And he said, it was just a random conversation. I was like, Hey man, just curious. Like how many times have you overdosed? Like I've mentioned it a couple times now talking to people, like, I don't want to get the number wrong. And he's <laughs> like, well, I mean, like before I was 18 and I'm like, I, I guess. I don't know. I don't don't think most people answer back with that. And he's like, well, before I was 18, probably like uh, at least over 10 times. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, man, people don't live through like one or two. And, um, and he's like, yeah. And I have this, like, to me, I like laugh and I smile through the whole voice message that he sent me about it. Uh, I posted on Instagram too, because I was like, it's so incredible. And I think he should tell his story because he's lived such a wild life um, going deep into that hole, Um, like why he went into it, you know, like I obviously, we went through the same stuff, but I obviously went the other direction and he went the other direction. So like what, what led you down that is so interesting. I think he would have such a great story, but he, uh, he's like, yeah, I've been declared dead twice. And one time the doctor even wrote me a note or not wrote me a note, wrote me a death certificate saying that I was dead and he walks back in the room and I was up and I was awake and he just like turned pale. The doctor did. And he's like, he just walked out. He had no words for it. And I'm like, man, it is, it's so common in my family. Like they just don't die. Like, <laughs> like they are just so my family. I feel is just like superheroes. Like I'm probably going to stub my toe one day and die. Like, <laughs> like, the, like all the superpowers got used on like my dad, my mom, my brother. And then hey. there's me. Maybe that would be the world record for lamest way to die. Oh, dude, I got that in the bag. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, um, he was all he was always doing that stuff and never really around. Um, I remember like the one when it like I think life really changed for me. Um, I realized as I start telling the story, man, I get more choked up with it. So sorry about that. You're good, like, man. I appreciate it, you sharing. It used, to, it used to be like so easy for me. And I think I was like, yeah, man, that's how okay I am with it because it was so nonchalantly talking about it. Yeah. I think I still had such a callous over it that I didn't really un unpeel that onion and get back to it. And now I have, and it kind of gets to me a lot, but, uh, um, I was at this family took me in cause my dad kept kicking me out, uh, of the, of the trailer and I'd sleep outside cause I was too embarrassed to like tell my friends, you know, ask them if I can spend the night, you know, I was too embarrassed yeah. to, you know, I'm 16 years old being like, Hey, I'm, I have nowhere to stay tonight. Can I stay over? And 
you know, sometimes I would, but sometimes it was just too much to like, I would sleep in, like I'd creep into their backyards and like sleep on their back deck or like in their pad on their patio furniture or in like their pool house, like their pool shed. And, uh, you know, I I just wake up before anybody got up. I'd sleep on the side of the houses next to the garbage cans where, because right. I mean, this just sounds like a professional man. Um, (laughs) because like, that's where everybody's heater for their laundry, like washer and dryers pump out. So there's warm air. And so I would sleep next to it and just stay warm. And how old are you? Uh, like 16. Jeez, dude. And so that was just kind of like a random thing. And I still like, I, some of my friends like listen to these, they probably most don't because they, they know me and they think they know me, but the ones who I'm like closest to will put these on who I've like been best friends with since I was 12 or around that age. And they're like, dude, I didn't know that about you. I'm like, yeah, man, I just, I kept it a secret. Like I slept in your backyard probably 10 times, like, (laughs) you know? Um, yeah. So basically, uh, this family took me in that I went to elementary school with and they were amazing. And I kind of called the dad, like my dad now. And then the mom is like my second mom and my sister. Um, but no relation at all besides that. And I was sitting at their house and I was doing homework for the first time in my life. Um, probably why I never did homework again, uh, because, uh, my brother called me and he never calls me. Now I'm like, all right, whatever. It's nine o'clock at night. Like I'll just pick it up later. Um, I'll call him back later. See what's up. And usually he's probably just like in Louisiana hopping on trains drunk. So that's kind of where he was at the time. And, uh, he left me a voice message and eventually I was driving home and all of a sudden I like listened to it and he's like, call me back or, and he's kind of like choked up. And I'm like, man, I've never heard my brother cry. Like, he always made me cry. Like yeah, <laughs> never yeah. heard him cry before. So I call him back and he like, he won't tell me what's wrong. And then like, he just hangs up on me and I'm like, shit. And then I think my aunt picked up the phone. She called me and I can't remember if it was her or him eventually calling me and telling me I was, I was on my way to my dad's. The mom was driving me home and, uh, I remember exactly where we were. Like it was yesterday. And like, they just told me like my mom's been stabbed and like, Oh, like several times and like I just like threw the phone out of my hand like it just launched and uh I just jumped out of a moving car and like threw myself in the parking lot and was like yelling at the sky you know like yelling at God pretty much yeah. like you know and pretty much it was just like that whole rest of that night is just such like a hazy like memory for me um and then they obviously didn't take me back home because they knew I would like I think they just knew that my dad like wasn't the person to be around mm-hmm. and eventually it came out that he pretty much manipulated this guy to do it um because oh. he's just like i said he's just such a good manipulator and uh befriended yeah. the guy and my mom broke up with him because they started getting close and was like hey this is too weird for me and uh yeah there was a bunch of compute eventually like the fbi got involved and like the computers got pulled the phones got pulled and tapped and everything trying to figure it out um, but yeah, this guy walked into Safeway and, uh, ended up, cause my mom works at Safeway, it's like a grocery store. And, uh, she ended up like going into the back room because she saw him coming in and he had like a, he was a big, like, he wasn't a big guy, but he had like a big country knife, like a big buck knife and, uh, ended up stabbing her seven times. Jeez. And, uh, it was like two in the side, two in the stomach, one in the neck that like went from her ear down to like past her jugular and like to her, like the center of her throat. And wow. I think another time in the side, like it was, yeah, it was about twice in the neck and then the five were on the torso. And 
my mom's maybe like 130 pounds, 120 at the time. And so already like absolutely weighs nothing. And, uh, you know, such a frail lady and, uh, you know, but so tough, I guess, like, um, there is, I don't know. I think, I don't know how that's, how this relates, but just yeah. like people eventually as I went on, people are like, Oh, like that was your mom. Like, Oh, my brother, like my brother was there or like my girl, my sister and her boyfriend were there. And to me, it was just so baffling that people would like admit that their friends were there when it happened and saw it. And I'm like, well, what'd they do? Yeah. And I'm like, they just sat there and watched someone get attacked. Like, you know, like that is so crazy to me that you could just see someone being hurt and just not just be a bystander, whether they have a knife or not, you know, like there's more of you than them. And yeah, all it takes takes is just, it just circling somebody for them to back away. And there's, uh, there's a couple guys who always work at Safeway who are kind of like mentally disabled or mentally, you know? Yeah. And yeah. Um, one of the guys whose name is Larry and he, he just died like a couple years back, but obviously not from this, but he ended up getting stabbed too, because he was the only person who like threw himself in the way to save her, you know? So mm-hmm. like, that was pretty cool. Um, and then, oh. yeah, I don't know. So basically nobody else returned back to work except my mom. Like the other, one of the guys who was like the manager who did help my mom at the time, he, he just couldn't go back. He was so like traumatized by it. And then, my mom being like the badass she is, she just, uh, like a couple months later, like re like recouped and went back to work and she still works there. So oh my like, gosh. to me, that's just crazy. Like you're standing in the same spot every day that it happened. Yeah. I'd move you know? away. Yeah. I'm just like nobody. And I, I, uh, her dream always was like, was koala bears. Like growing up, she had, <laughs> she had like 15 to like probably a hundred koala bears on her bed, like around the house. She had like a big stained glass pitcher that my dad made for her. She was like a fanatic about koala bears, like a crazy cat lady, but for koala bears. (laughs) And, uh, so the other 2019 at the end of it, I got to take her, I like surprised her with a trip to Australia and, Uh and she had, she had like never been anywhere. So like to give her that gift was really cool. Um, just like having her like live out her dream. And, uh, and I was like talking to her during it. I was like, you know what, mom? Like, and I finally brought it up. Like, we don't really talk about it too much. Uh, yeah. I was like, you know what, mom? Like, you got to start acting more like more gangster with this thing. And she's like, what do you mean? And I was like, you need to start owning this. Like, because every year, I mean, this was uh, 2009, I think. And so, yeah, you know, 12 years ago. And every year she has like a, like a celebration of life party on like the date of it. Oh, nice. And I'm like, mom, you need to start being like, like you need to start embracing this, you know, cause she'll always come back to like, I'll talk to her about her day at work when I am in town, uh, out in Oregon. And she'll be like, yeah, these kids are just like, they're always such babies. They always whine like their backs hurt when they're like pushing grocery carts around the parking <laughs> lot. And I'm like, mom, you have the best car to play over. them. look at them. You're a 60 year old lady. Now or she's 61. Look mm-hmm. at them and be like, have you ever been stabbed before? <laughs> and like, if you told that to a 16 year old in high school, a freshman, they're going to look at you like, wait, what? And be like, well, I have, yeah. but my back doesn't hurt. I'm not complaining about it. And just like, <laughs> I guarantee you, like, you need to own this. Like you need to realize that like, there's so many people that put in your situation. One wouldn't survive Two wouldn't come back to the same place every single day. Like you are so incredibly tough that you need to like, embrace that like know how badass you are for surviving that you know like people don't people don't make it out through that like 
Tupac didn't make it out of that, you know? Yeah. Like, well, you, you guys should yeah. go to Olive Garden, and if there's that, you go up, you're like table for whatever. They say an, an hour wait, just have her show her neck scar. Like, <laughs> you know, exactly. I'm getting it right now. <laughs> exactly. Like, mom, like you really need to just like live this up and be like, like you are the tough. Like, I don't think I'd survive through through seven times, man. Like, no, that's insane. Yeah. So she uh, basically, I think we're like, I definitely kind of like calloused everything over. Um, was that, was that night, um, they weren't sure if she was going to make it. Nobody wanted to tell me. And so the next day, uh, I tried going to school the next day too. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> and everybody thought I was high cause I'd been crying my eyes out all night. Like so many people thought I was high cause my eyes were so puffy and red. Jeez. And I was like, no man, my mom just got stabbed. Yeah, you have no idea. <laughs> and, uh, so basically I just left halfway through the day and I got a, I got a flight to, uh, to Oregon. I was down in California, got a flight to Oregon. And my brother picked me up at the airport and that was the first time that we ever hugged and told each other we loved each other. Like that was the first thing, you know? And so like yeah. since then we have been like best friends. Like we're all good now. Like nothing can kind of break us up because we kind of realized that like we're all we have and we still yeah. didn't know if she was going to make it, you know? So that was like a really big changing moment in like our relationship where, you know, we had tried killing each other for years, our whole mm-hmm. life. And now like, that one moment we're like, Oh shit, we need to stop like messing around and like take this serious. You know, like we don't really have anybody, like we don't have our dad anymore. We don't yeah. really have like, all we have is a mom and a grandma really. Um, and who knows the mom's going to make it through the next day, you know? So, uh, I go into the hospital and, uh, the doctor, I was 16. The doctor just is like, all right, like you can go in and see her, but you can't cry. Like if you cry, she'll cry and she'll die. Oh my gosh. And I was like, how do you, like, how do you tell a kid that? Like, yeah. like she was bundled up and like, she was like a burrito in like 50 layers. Oh. And you know, uh, she was hooked up to all these ventilators and like literally just on machines, keeping like stuff pumping. And her, uh, her jugular vein was like, um, was hanging off by like millimeters. And you know, like if you sever that you're dead, there's no repairing yeah. it, but oh. it was millimeters because somebody in the store uh, one of the people who actually did help, uh, her, one of her coworkers, like put her thumb on her neck and like pretty much saved her life. So, uh, yeah, I think that was like definitely a part where I was like, shit, man, like I cannot cry. So after that, I just learned how to like suck it up and just like, I went in and saw her and that was like the changing moment in my life where I was just like, all right, like I have two directions I can go. I can either like go down the route that my brother's going down or Mm -hmm. I can like be the man of this family that this family doesn't have. Like my mom is like the support system for all of us. And like now she's down. Like if somebody doesn't pick up the slack, like we're done, like how are we ever going to stay afloat? So basically from there on out, uh, well actually right after that, I ended up getting expelled from high school. Uh, like (laughs) I was just, I was so angry. Like, yeah. I was such an angry kid uh, after that and got expelled three weeks into my three weeks into moving up to Oregon and uh, nothing crazy. I just like, we found the master key to the school and broke in and did played a bunch of pranks on like the janitors, like moving desks and turning on lights. Like there was ghosts and then made some food, <laughs> made some food in the culinary room. And then eventually, yeah. Uh, stole Dang. my grandma's car to go steal guitars and then, uh, and then it was one of the kids' ideas to go do it. And then, um, yeah, basically the next night we felt bad about it and stole the car again. I was 16, couldn't drive. So took my grandma's car again in the middle of the night and returned the guitars, but it was already too late. So, um, 
yeah, that was my mom. My mom definitely kept me out of jail that time. She lied for me, but I got to go. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, even then, like even right after the surgery, she was always staying strong and like keeping us safe. Really. Like that was always her primary thing was keeping us safe and out of trouble. But it kind of like hit me like, man, all right, I need to stop messing up. Like this is the prime example of me going down the wrong path. Like I need to not do this. And so from there, I like dropped out of school. I ended up working like one job being like a plumber and then ended up going back to school. Cause I wanted to go to the military. I needed more credits. Cause I was like a high school dropout, you know? Yeah. And eventually I started going to college and ended up eventually ended up getting my engineering degree because, uh, people just, people always thought I was dumb growing up. I was just angry. I was just an angry kid. I wasn't dumb. Um, I just didn't want to do any homework or anything. And, Mm -hmm. uh, basically that was another thing of people just being like calling me dumb. So I looked up like one of the hardest degrees to get was being an engineer. So I decided (laughs) to go do it. Like I wanted to prove people wrong with it, you know, like you can do whatever you set your mind to. And while I was going to school, I started fighting, like doing MMA and stuff. I was never, I never got into street fights. I got jumped a couple times by my brother's Dang. friends, but never, never, I always hated fighting. I thought it was the stupidest thing in the world. <laughs> uh, we did it enough in, in house. Like I didn't need to do it anywhere else. Yeah. And so, uh, I just uh, oddly got into fighting and, uh, didn't even mean to take my first fight. My buddy just kind of set me up with it. He's like, Hey man, like you're actually like, really good. Like you, like you should fight. And I'm like, all right, man, do it. Then set me up. And I was joking. And then the next like week he comes in, he's like, all right, man, you got to fight in like three months. And I was like, dude, I was just kidding. Like, I don't want to do that. And, uh, from there it just went off. And so from 17 on for the next like couple of years, I was working full time, like 40 yeah. hours a week, going to school. In the meantime, I was working at a pizza place after work and after training like it was just like the most messed up schedule where that is the grind that's beyond grinding that's like insane and then to cover the nights because i didn't want to sleep i i I wasn't comfortable i mean i couldn't sleep i started uh like working on farms and once i hit 21 i started doing security in bars so i was doing i was working the graveyard shift working at bars every night while on the weekends I'd wake up and I'd go buck hay. Like I'd never slept wow. for like six years. I just never slept because I couldn't like, I had like yeah. a family, I had a family that I wanted to be tough for, you know, and like support and help. And so Jeez. basically that's all I did from basically 17. Once I kind of like wisened up, um, 17 all the way till 23, basically till 24. Um, I just worked nonstop and, uh, eventually it just all caught up to me. Um, I didn't sleep. I always thought I was hearing voices in my head because I never slept. Like it's so unhealthy not to sleep. Uh, my mind just never stopped running. And so I thought I was hearing voices and I was going crazy. Mm. And, uh, I just got so sick of life. Like the last six years have been me grinding nonstop every day. I don't feel appreciated. Um, I haven't taken any time out of the day for myself ever. Mm -hmm. Um, I just got, was just depressed. I just wanted to end my life. Uh, school was really tough. Um, really, really stressful. And, uh, yeah, eventually I just, I don't know, just tried killing myself <laughs> twice. So, you How know, uh, you? um, I think I was about 18 the first time and then like two attempts when I was 18. And then yeah. again, when I was like 22, but, uh, Damn. yeah, it was just kind of, I don't know. I just, I just realized I don't know, obviously failed attempts. Like there's, there's something behind it that like, 
if you wanted to do it, you would do it. I feel like, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I just wanted attention. I wanted somebody just to tell me they love me. And yeah. like, it, it was just never a thing, you know, like our, I, like I said, from that day on of my mom, like I had to just harden up. I had to get tough. And like, I didn't need to have, I, I, I thought I didn't need anybody to tell me they love me. I don't need to tell you about my life or my, my feelings. Mm-hmm. I don't need to talk to a, a therapist, like, all these things. And it was actually like a week after my mom uh, was in the hospital. Um, I was back down in California getting everything. And um, my, my mom actually called me at like, uh, I don't know, at like 11 at night. And I'm like, what did she call me for? I'm like, all right, whatever. I'll just pick it up in the morning. And I was like, wait, no, the last time I missed a phone call, someone almost died. So yeah. I pick it up and I'm like, Hey, what's up? And she's like, your brother's in the hospital. He overdosed. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, yeah. And I was, it was down in California again. And so basically I was about five, anywhere five to like eight miles away from the hotel or from the hotel, the hospital. And, uh, I just, I just booked it. I ran all the way to the hospital and, uh, basically just sat beside him in bed and, you know, I don't know, just waited for him to come to his eyes were like, I can still remember it so much like him, like throwing up blood in his sleep and like, them trying to like pump everything out of him like i don't know it was just like yeah that's man, that's like, crazy yeah like when do i stop dealing with all this shit and just get to my own life like that's yeah. why i just want that's why i just wanted to kill myself i'm like man there's literally no fun to this like if it's not my mom it's my brother if it's not my brother it's my own stress and depression getting me and like i'm hearing these voices like nobody like dude this life isn't fun like why would any like i didn't choose to be in this like my parents decided to sleep together and now i'm here and living this crap life like i didn't yeah. choose this what what was it like uh like was it hard to make friends did people know about what you're going through or were you just kind of hardened up and just pushing through it um i guess like i already have my friends in california but as far as like going to oregon yeah um i had made some like pretty good friends uh Actually, the guy who I went to dinner with his mom last night, the one who I said passed away before we got started, he was my first friend in Oregon, mm. and uh, he introduced me to everybody. But still, I was like, I was pretty shy at first. I didn't really let anybody in. Um, yeah. And then once people got to know me, they're like, dude, it's so crazy how different you were at the start. And I'm like, I just didn't trust anybody. Like, if you were trying to be my friend, I thought it was just because you felt bad for me. Like, I didn't think you actually genuinely cared about me, you know? So. Yeah. It, was, it was tough at first. I didn't want to let anybody into any of my feelings and, you know, uh, girlfriends throughout the time. It was, I was, they were like, you're just like kind of stoic. Like you don't really ever show much emotion to things like you're loving, but at the same time, like I you just, you're like, you know, feel cold. And yeah. I don't know, yeah. I, st- I still am in a sense, but I've tried to harness it quite a bit and be able to be able to balance my life with it and be happy because yeah, it was such a dark time. Dude, I I can't even imagine. I uh, so I've been through some traumatic stuff on my own. Nothing near. I mean, everyone goes through different stuff. Oh yeah, man. But, it's, all, um, it's all relative. Yeah. Exactly. So I don't know if like with. I'm sure you've probably been to therapy. When I went to therapy, mm-hmm. they they were telling me I was disassociating from the trauma, and that's why I couldn't feel a lot of things like emotions. I don't know if that was the case for you at all. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Dude, it's still a struggle for me too. Like I, I haven't, and it's not like I'm trying to cry or want to cry, but it's like, I feel right. really sad, but I, nothing comes out. I Dude. literally cannot. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I totally get that. There are so many times where I would try to make myself cry. Yeah. 
and I just couldn't, it was like literally just like tear blocks were like dammed over with cement. Like there was no way I'm getting these bad boys out. Like, yeah, it's no the weirdest way. feeling. And like, I just, I like, I'll, I still, so I'm still recovering and trying to work through it all, but like, I still feel really numb. It's hard. I'm, I think you probably get it, but it's like this numb feeling where like you just don't feel and it's really uncomfortable, like annoying. Yeah. So, yeah, man. Crazy. I totally get that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. I, I was just curious because, I mean, it's something I've been working through, but. Yeah, I guess you gotta keep going on with your wild ride, man. Yeah, <laughs> man. Like, like with therapy, it was always funny because like people always go, you know, uh, you see, you hear like the techniques in movies. They ask you, like, tell me how you <laughs> feel, or like just just anything, or you finally voice it, and then you hear what you say, and you're like, oh, I see what you've done. Like, <laughs> I see why you asked that question. Like, it was such a nonchalant question. You're like, all right, yeah, and then all of a sudden you unwind this layer, and you're just like, ah, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> you got me. You got me. And, um, yeah, man, it was definitely was definitely tough. Um, I guess I don't know where I was at with, uh, oh, basically like, I don't know, just, I kind of hopped around a bunch, but with my brother going through all of that and me needing to be like the support system, I just eventually crumbled. Eventually, mm-hmm. eventually I felt like my mom was back, back to a hundred percent and doing her thing. And my brother, who knows where he was at the time, uh, he still wasn't really around too much. But I started loving my life. I'm like, all right, man, like I get to finally like do my thing and like love my life, you know? And I think once I put, got their weight off my shoulders, the world just like collapsed on me. And I was just like, I can't do this anymore. Um, yeah. I don't want to do it anymore. And there was a time when it kind of closer to the time that it happened. Um, I remember I like texted all my friends in California when I was down there and I was like, Hey guys, like I'm coming by to see all of you. Like I'm going to kill myself. Um, basically just like mass text everybody. And like, that's not what you would do. Like, it's it's not what you would do. You just go do it. Like you don't Uh tell everybody, like the only reason you're doing that is because you want attention. You want somebody to grab you and smack you and be like, dude, I love you. Shut up. Right. And that's all I wanted. And it, it hits me now that that's exactly what I wanted when, uh, the first house I went to was the the family that took me in. And, uh, the reason why I went there, I know the reason why I went there is because I know she wouldn't let me leave. And, uh, you know, I know she would tell me that she loves me, like, remind you, like, dude, JT, like, you need to love yourself. Like, you, and that was the first person that ever told me that I need to love myself. And I was like, man, I've just never thought about it like that. And, you know, uh, that was a big changing moment in my life. And then when I was doing the Goggins run the other day, someone else said that while we were running. He's like, yeah, man, there's so often, like, we don't just love ourselves. And we need, there's always one person in our lives that tell us, like, hey, man, you need to love yourself. And, like, yeah. I almost broke down in tears on the run. Like, I feel I went from like, like how you're saying, like, <laughs> you can't make yourself cry. And now I'm just like the biggest baby. Like <laughs> I'll watch something and like almost start tearing up. And I'm like, this is a stupid show. Like <laughs> I'm just like a big baby, like in my feelings now, but I like it. Like, you know, yeah. I'd rather feel like this than, you know, there's no, there's no shame in crying. And I think back then I just thought it was weak and I, I had no mm-hmm. room for being weak. I had to be strong. I had to be the one strong person in my family to hold up my brother, to hold up my mom. And I saw crying as a weakness and there's no room for weakness. And now I realize that like, honestly, like if you can cry in public, like you're probably a badass. Like yeah. the fact you don't care what anybody else confidence. thinks is like, yeah, pretty, pretty admirable. Like you got, you know, confidence. Like, I don't know. You just don't care what anybody thinks. And that's a good quality, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, yeah. So I guess from there on out, I just, 
I just like, I don't know, obviously that was before. And then I started working all the time and got depressed and, you know, tried taking my own life. And then, uh, when I was, that didn't obviously work and mm-hmm. realized that I need to like do something different with my life. Like I need to do something different. I, school's almost done. Um, I got more into fighting. I was like, all right, I'm not going with this whole school thing anymore. Like I'm not going to go on after it. Um, I just wanted to prove people wrong. And I was dating this girl and, uh, I was actually going to propose to her the next day. And she broke up with me the day before. Like, man, we're on different pages, Um, (laughs) but I never, I never traveled anywhere. The first real airplane I went on was to, uh, when my mom got stabbed. So I was like, man, I'm done. Like, I don't really have much money because I'm spending it on everything else here to keep things going. And like, yeah. I, uh, basically I had one credit card, the $600 college limit and I booked it out. I maxed it out completely on a one-way trip to Bali. And I didn't know Bali was this magical place for like honeymoons and couples. Yeah. Like I didn't know that man. I just, <laughs> I saw it being the, it was the cheapest place on the map for a one-way <laughs> ticket. And it was in two weeks. And oh, wow. I, I had my passport and I was like, I'm, I'm gone, man. I'm going to disappear. Like, I, I want to start over. I want to start a new life. Like, I've just got through all this crap with my family. And then now, like, now this. And so I was heartbroken and basically just disappeared for a month or so. And really, like, I hate being like, oh, traveling changed me or like, but it mm-hmm. did. Like, I think the people that I met reinstilled my happiness in life. I realized how happy I was as a kid. And like, when I look back to who I was when I was like eight, 10 years old or so, like, the people who knew me back then always knew me as like the smile, like cheerful kid that always wanted to make people laugh. Like that's yeah. all I was about. And, uh, I, somewhere along the line, I got away from that. I got away from who I was. And, uh, I have a tattoo on my wrist on each one that on my right arm, it says stay. And on my left arm says true. So stay true. Uh, like my last name. And there's so yeah. many meanings to it of like, I remind myself, like I need to stay true to myself. Like I went through such a dark period in life where, I just went down a rabbit hole that wasn't me. And I was such an angry person. And I thought everybody hated me because I was such an asshole to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody got close to me. I just tore them apart. Um, and I realized like, man, I need to stay true to who I am, who, and I got the tattoo as well. Cause my brother had it and I thought he was going to die. Uh, it was when I was 16, I got it. And so I've just added more meaning to it as I've got older being like, man, this is actually like a really good saying. He has the same tattoo, sure. and so I was like, I want something to remember him by because I think he's going to die soon. Um, so I basically went to Bali and, like, met these group of people that I still talk to every single one of them today, um, probably, like, once every, like, month or two. Nice. And I, I still go see him. When I went to Australia with my mom, like, I went and stayed with one of them before she got there. And uh, just, like, they reinstilled my happiness for life that there is good people out there. And just like reinstilled the love for life, like the passion and like, there's so much out there. And I don't know, it just gave me a new spark to life to be like, Hey man, I need to get back on my game. Like, who am I? Who was I, who was I meant to be? And so the longest time on Instagram, my name is always like, who is Jay true? Because like, that's all I'm trying to figure out is who am I? Like, yeah. you know, who, who, are, who are we at the end of the day? I have no clue. That's my whole purpose is trying to figure out who I am. For sure. Yeah. Well, dude, that is such a wild story and you know i love to hear like how how is daily life like i know you said sometimes you're you have anxiety uh, there's probably some ups and downs how do you cope now um i i guess like 
it's got better. The voices in my head have got a little dimmed down as far as like depression. I've kind of made like, I know how to deal with it. And I know when things are coming on now. Uh-huh. Um, one of the kids that I met while fighting, he was like, it was always cool. We always had younger kids coming in and train with us that were in high school. And, uh, one kid in particular, he was about 16. So same age I was at the time. And I was about 21 and he was, he was going through the same stuff. He was like super depressed. His family life was crap. And, uh, it was cool being able to see myself in him and telling him, like, Hey man, I know exactly what you're going through. Like, I, I know adults told me this when I was depressed, like, Hey God, mm-hmm. Hey man, like you're like, you're a kid. Like this is what happens. Like, you know, it's heartbreak. It's, you know, growing up, it's a part of getting older. And I'm like, you don't understand, man. Like, I just didn't think they understood. And I don't think they, I really don't think they genuinely did. But when I'd see this kid, I'd be like, hey, man, I understand where you're coming from. Like, listen, I've had adults tell me this and I didn't believe it, but I'm going to tell you exactly what you're thinking and tell me if I'm wrong or right. And I told him, he's like, dude, you're, you're like spot on. Like, that's exactly what I feel. I'm like, I know because I was you. And at this point, or I wasn't 21, I was a little older. I started traveling a bunch. And after Bali, I just like sparked a fire and I started going to all these countries just one after the other. I think I've in like a couple of years, I had hit like 40 countries Holy cow. and I like, I don't know people back home, but like, man, you got such a cool life. Like you're always doing this, going to new places, like having fun. And I'm like, look, man, like you see my life as like this cool thing where I'm doing shit all the time. But like, you have to realize that I was where you were, man. Like I was exactly where you were that night that like you have a gun in your hand and you want to end it. Like, and you don't, or like that trigger fails, you know, like, and how many times does a trigger fail on a gun, man? Like, there's a reason why you're still here. Like, yeah, that's wild. Yeah, if you look at my life and you think it's cool and something you want to, like, get to, like, I'm not saying my life's amazing. It's amazing for me. It's mm-hmm. not amazing for everybody. But um, I've made it that way because it's what makes me happy. Like, so when I go, like, oh, man, my life is sick, like, because I'm saying it to myself, like, dude, I'm proud of you for, like, going out and getting what you want and being happy because a lot of us don't do what makes us happy anymore. Yeah. And so – and so this kid, I'm like, yeah, man, like, listen, I know exactly where you're at. If you think my life is sick and this is what you want to do, know that if you keep going down the route you're going down, you're not going to get to it. And then, but if you can push past those days and you can keep moving on and realize, listen to what I'm telling you, that you do matter, that people do love you. And like, I'm going to be hurt when you leave. Like, we're, we're all going to be hurt. And I don't want to be selfish and be like, my feelings matter more than yours. Cause I know yeah. the feelings in your head. People would tell me like, Oh, Justin, you're being selfish. I'm like, no, I'm not, man. Like you don't understand the pain inside me right now. Like I just want it to go away. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, Hey man, listen, I know that like the pain inside you is unbearable and I don't want to put my feelings above it. I'll be sad when you go, but I'll understand what kind of weight you're taking off your shoulders. But just know that it's not how it has to be. Like, if I were to give up when you want to give up right now, I wouldn't have achieved this cool life that you see of like me being happy all the time. But if you do keep pushing, you're going to get to this happiness that this level I'm at, whatever that looks like for you, but you're mm-hmm. going to be where I'm at. And then you're going to be like, man, this is such a fun life. I'm so glad I did this. I pushed on. I listened to him. And then all of a sudden you're going to meet some little 16 year old that's going to come along and tell you the same exact things that you told me. And you're going to be like, Holy shit, Justin was right. (laughs) Like now it's my turn to pay it back. And we always can use our story and, you know, reach somebody else. And so seeing like who the kid is today, like he's 21 now. And like, it's so cool seeing who he is and how much he loves life. And 
you know, come back to Oregon, I get to see him. I'm like, dude, remember that time when you told me I just didn't understand? Like, <laughs> like what about now? He's like, yeah, dude, like, I get it. I get it, man. I'm like, good. Now it's your turn to find that kid who's in the same position you were in and connect with them, share your story and make a life that you are so unbelievably proud of. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter if you're traveling the world or you're working hard every day on a farm. Like as long as you're happy, that kid that's 16 that wants to kill himself will see your happiness and be so envious of it and let them know that like you were in that down place that they were in and thought there's no way out of this hole. And there is a way. And so it's like, I'm so stoked to win. Like the day he comes when he messages me and he's like, Hey man, like I met like the 16 year old me and I helped him. I'm like, good (laughs) man. Like now tell him like, and just keep it going, man. Um, Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. That was about it. I just, uh, yeah. Just helping people with that. It's amazing. I love that. I was just going to say, I, I, uh, so I'm a swim coach. I grew up swimming and I found such joy finding maybe a kid in my group who's a little awkward or maybe has chronic illness and being like, dude, I flashed my feeding to him. Like, dude, I I get it, man. It sucks. Like sometimes you're not going to perform in the pool, but there's more life than swimming like this and that. And I feel like when you've been through it, like you have and other people have, our voice is heard a little bit easier. Like we don't have to persuade necessarily. We just have to share a story and that's, that's what you're doing essentially. Yeah, man. Like eventually like that kid in the pool is going to, is going to hear that and connect to it and be like, I'm not the, like, for some reason we know, we know we're not the only one dealing with it, but we make it in our head that we are the only one that it's all about us. And it's like, listen, man, there's more people with this issue going on that like, I'm not alone. And that some, like we shy away from that. I feel we shy away from being like, we're not alone. And you ostracize yourself to feel bad for yourself. But when you realize that like, shit, man, I'm like, I'm a dime a dozen. Like there's hundreds of people out there with the same battling the same thing. Like uh-huh. I'm not alone. And it's comforting to know that and know that you have a support group. If you can reach them. For sure. Dude, what, uh, what are your plans for the future? Um, so right now I was initially going to go for a, uh, uh, like, I don't know. It, it's weird how it created, how it got started, but doing <laughs> like the largest triathlon in America. I saw and, that. Yeah. So it wasn't ever meant to be the, the largest. It just started <laughs> out as like, I was bored because 2019 was such a big year. Um, after the carpool was Madagascar and walking across that, which that's a whole nother story. Yeah. Um, you know, and, uh, man, just 2019 was so big and 2020 came around and I was like, Hey, I was talking to my buddy. I was like, dude, I'm, I'm just getting kind of stir crazy. Like, what do you think about like, I was working out in Connecticut. I was like, what do you think if I just like bike home to Oregon? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I guess that'd be kind of cool, but people do it all the time. And I'm like, all right, fair. I'm like, what if I add in running? Like running's always hard. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, I'm one thing away. Why not swim somewhere? Like hey. why, not, why not make this a trap one? And so it just became this crazy thing that I just wanted to make crazier and crazier and crazier. And eventually I got around to someone sending me this, uh, it's called try am America, I think. Uh-huh. And it's, it's a triathlon across America, but it's like half the size of what mine is. And there's no intention on like out besting somebody. It was just like, Oh shoot. So like, that's what they consider across America. And mine's even further, like double. So like, <laughs> this is pretty cool. And I'm trying to do it in the same exact time they're doing theirs. So, um, Jeez. I want so- to do it. I've always, I've always looked for, I don't know with all these, I've done always done them for charities for other people. 
Yeah. And I just never knew. I, I kind of masked like my own mental health. I was like, I don't have a mental health issue. I'm fine. Sure. I tried killing myself. Oh, well, like yeah. I, I didn't, I just kind of buried it. I like, it was like, man, it's not really a thing. Like, I don't know what I connect to in life. I don't connect to anything like hugely controversial or like engaging as far as charities go. And then I realized like mental health, man, like how have I just over, I've, I <laughs> took that for granted as far as like it being important to me. I'm like, nobody cares about it. If I talk about it, I'm weak. So let's not talk about it. And so I, I just put it in the back of my mind and I was like, you know what? Like May's coming up. This is a perfect time. Like I want to do this for in May, but um, a documentary crew got a hold of me and they were oh, like, Hey, we want to turn this into something big. Like we've heard your backstory and we want to turn it into something. Like we think your backstory reaches so many people um, and just hits home with a lot of people, whether it's like you came from a, an abusive household, you've dealt with eating issues. I was anorexic for most of my life fighting, like all those fighting years, I was anorexic and just never mm-hmm. told anybody. Um, I just hit it really well. I just throw yeah. up after meals or I just wouldn't eat. Um, and so, you know, uh, man, from, you know, your brother overdosing to your almost losing somebody from an attack, like somebody somewhere can connect to it and be like, dang, I went down that road and went down a depressed, depressed lifestyle or depressed, not lifestyle, but like I went down a dark road because of one of these reasons. And I just think like, man, somebody out there is going to be able to grab a hold of this and be like, all right, like he's pushing on. And my whole moral with it is I wanted to make it as big and as crazy as possible because I want to, I want to go through the days that suck. I want the days to be so miserable. I'm not a swimmer by any means. Yeah. I, I want the days to be so miserable. I, I want to, that's why I want to do it as fast as they're doing theirs because, um, it's going to make it suck. It's going to make it hurt. My whole body's going to be in pain. Mentally, I'm going to be in pain. And that's like the whole thing with life. Like sometimes life is hard. Sometimes life sucks and we just want to give up today. And there's going to be days on the swim right at the start or like in the middle of the bike. I'm like, dude, I'm done. Yeah. I, I want to give up. And I realized that like, like dating back to the carpool with Kamal, the, the kid that I knew in Palestine, his family, like he, he, his family never had a choice to give up. You're in such a rough area that like you have to fight every day to stay alive. Like who am I to give up on a bicycle? Like yeah. people go through so much worse than what I'm going through. And I'm, I'm choosing to do this. I'm blessed to have the opportunity to hop off the bike, to have the, have the chance uh, or the possibility, the opportunity, I guess. Yeah. To hop off the bike and be like, eh, I'm done today. I'm, I'm going to go get food. Like, <laughs> no, I, I realize how blessed I am to have that opportunity, but I'm not going to take it. I, I want to fight through this and I want to put myself through so much adversity that like, I don't know, just, I can't quit because someone else out there, they can't quit because if they quit, that means they're dead. You know, whether it's someone in a war stricken, a war torn country, or if it's somebody who is sitting on their bed at night and they have that bottle full of pills and they're like, dude, I want to end it. And you want to quit. And it's like, no, there's so many things that we just need to go through because granite days one through four or five swimming might suck. The first Mm -hmm. two weeks of biking might suck. But eventually, I'm going to hit that day of sunshine, metaphorically speaking, and it's going to be amazing. And that's like the thing with life, man. Like this, like with my life, with everything my mom, from there on out, like did the next week suck? Yeah. Did the next month? Yeah. Did the year, two years, three years, four years suck? Yeah. But eventually, like I hit 24 
And I hit such a dark hole that I kept fighting. And now I have like this life that I'm so blessed to live and so happy to live and like so jacked every day to like wake up and do anything that I love. Um, and had I given up at 18 or even younger, I wouldn't have been where I'm at today and I wouldn't have helped who I have today. And like that right there, seeing, having people reach out to me and tell me that I've helped them and I don't even know them is yeah. the most rewarding thing in the world. Like I can't even put into words the inspiration that gives me people are like, man, you're so inspiring for like doing this or doing this. I'm like, you have no idea. Like you reaching out to me and sharing your story and being vulnerable with me who you don't even know inspires me to be stronger because you're so strong that you don't even recognize it, you know? And, uh, so in November, so that's happening in November because, oh, really? uh, cause they want to craft this, like they want to craft this into like a really good story. And they're like, we don't have time to do it by May. So we want to get wait till November. So that's, Dude. that's my, that's my plan for the future. And yeah, that's exciting. Right. So I I'm looking up the, the, is it the America's largest triathlon? I'm looking yep. at your Instagram. Yeah. So it starts in the Bahamas and you swim 50 miles. Yep. So I'm going to swim 50 miles. I don't know. Like you're a swimmer, man. Like how long does it take? <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow. That that's like, okay. Um, if you're a really advanced swimmer, you can probably get three to four miles in a two hour session. Okay. Um, but yeah, that'll take a good while and you're in the ocean, dude, that's, yeah. that's freaking crazy. That's awesome though. I'm so pumped for you. Yeah, man. It's going to be sick. I was talking to a guy and he's like, you're going to go through the most like body, the body of water that has the most books and stories and movies yeah. based on it in the world. I'm like, wait, like, what are you talking about? He's like the Bermuda triangle. I'm like, what? That's there. <laughs> and he's like, you didn't know that. And I'm like, no man, but you got me so pumped up now. Like, <laughs> Dude, geez. So 50 mile swim, 3,000 mile biking, right. and then 600 mile run. Yep. Wow. So and it, it's going to be documented. Yep. Yeah. So at first, I just wanted a photographer. Yeah. But now, like, now these guys are like, no, dude, this is actually like really freaking cool. Seriously. And um, yeah, it's just, it was pretty like mind blowing. And seeing all their, their other work that they've done and who they've been a part of. And I'm like, I was so taken back by it. I'm like, no way. Like, there's no way you guys want to do a story on me. Like, who am I? I'm just, I'm just an average dude, you know? Dude, you're extraordinary. <laughs> but, but, but like, but that's kind of what I like. I don't know. I like saying that I'm like, when, you know, we were talking about, you know, different struggles, like when you grew up with your struggles and I grew up yeah. with mine and I like to make it known that like, there's nothing about my life that is unique, you know, like, my story is a dime a dozen. All of ours is where it's like, you're not alone. There's nothing that makes my story special. That's so true. like I fought out, like, trust me, there's everybody else out there has their battle. It could be a different battle, but it doesn't mean it's easier. And so I'm not saying mine was the hardest thing in the world. Cause it definitely wasn't, but it's a story that I want to be vulnerable enough to tell and inspire someone else out there. Who's like, dude, my story is way harder than that. I'm going to share mine. <laughs> like, good man, yeah. share it. Please share it. Because it's going to help more people because we all have kind of been, I don't know, groomed now to suck it up, you know, and yeah. it's not healthy. It's not healthy at all. Eventually you're going to snap. Yeah, dude. I, I love the, the freaking motivation you got. It's so awesome. Yeah, and it, it, it's <laughs> almost like you've been training your whole life for this. Like you've been through the pain so much and now you're just going to do this triathlon. That's pretty wild. <laughs> <laughs> I know, man. And uh, somebody else told me, so there's another world. I mean, you could say, Obviously, it's my triathlon that, like, I made, I yeah, guess. But, like, yeah. 
so it, it is the biggest in the U.S. I don't know if it's the world. Who knows? But um, and I don't know what the regulation on it would be because obviously I'm going to sleep or try to sleep. Yeah, um, I, I get so jacked up so. when I do this stuff that like, I just like I don't want to sleep. I want to keep <laughs> going. But obviously, it's like 21 days to 25. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna fall asleep somewhere. Um, but yeah. in the running section, there's a six day race that they've done uh, for like the last like five years, I think. And the U.S. record for a six-day race is 605 miles, I believe. Wow. And then the world record is like 630-something. And so I was breaking it down yesterday, and I don't know, man. I feel like I can break the world record, if, or, or the U.S. record. I feel like I can break the U.S. record if I can, like, hold a steady pace. Yeah. Um, I'm not the fastest by any means. Um, I just know I'm the most resilient when it comes to it. Like I will not give up and I don't know that kind of dates back all the way to when I was fighting. Like I always got like a compliment after I got done with the fight, like literally the second the fight was over, people were just like, dude, I could not kill you. Like I tried <laughs> so hard and you just like, you literally, there's, there's one guy who me and him went through a war for like five rounds and he's like, man, I thought you were going to be so easy to walk through and I'd win because he was, he was going to go on to bigger things after. And he was like, yeah. dude, I thought I was going to walk through you. And then all of a sudden you just winked at me and like smiled. And he's like, <laughs> and he's like, at that moment, I knew that like, this was going to be a war. And I'm like, yeah, man, I'm not, I'm not scared by this. Like that, like, I like people when they're just like, dude, you were just impossible to kill, man. You just, tough. <laughs> um, I'm like, tell me about it, man. Like, you know, I get it from my mom. So yeah. What you was know, your uh, fighter name? Uh, just Justin true. Nice. Just, uh, I actually, well, I guess my nickname, uh, was like the boogeyman <laughs> and it was solely people. I, I had an interview one time after a fight and they're like, so how come like the boogeyman? I'm like, well, in college I got really drunk once or twice and I just <laughs> fell asleep underneath the bed. And then, and then my buddy was like, dude, you're kind of like the boogeyman. You should, you should, you should use that as your fight name. And I did it as a joke. <laughs> I, I like when he showed up to one of my fights up in Oregon, he was down in California, he drove up for it. And it was like my surprise for him. So he would, he was like, Oh shoot, you did it. Dude, and, that's uh, legendary. Then, then it just kind of stuck, man. Cause you know, everybody's got really intimidating names and I'm uh -huh. like, Dude, I just got drunk and slept under beds. Like <laughs> it just kind of became my thing. Dude, that's so funny. I wonder if it threw any of them off. They're like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Like I really just don't care about this. Like can't, I don't know, man, I've, I've been beat up before. Who cares? Let's just yeah. do this and have fun. Like I saw it as such like a business thing of like, I don't know. It was just, how it was what it was i didn't hype it up too much i've been in fights before with my brother and nobody's got a chainsaw so i'm pretty happy <laughs> yeah thank goodness so yeah. justin where where yeah. can people follow and find you um especially on, coming up on your awesome triathlon so uh basically on instagram the real justin true um basically how it's spelled right there the real justin yeah. true t-r-u-e uh, i don't know why true or false without the word false, but, uh, and then my website is who is Um, and hopefully we'll be able to put a live tracker up on there when the time gets closer. Yeah. And, uh, obviously throughout it, we're going to kind of go on more of YouTube. Um, just have to search my name, Justin true on YouTube, uh, and go through that. So Sick. yeah, it should be, should be good. Um, we'll have a lot of things up for it as far as live tracking, uh, try to do interviews along the way. Um, I would like to do a podcast every day or maybe two a day while I'm on the bike. Cause I'm going to be on the bike for, you know, 15, 16 hours. Well, yeah. I might as well 
have someone on the phone and just do like a fun podcast of like just chilling or not even a podcast, just something talking to somebody and, uh-huh. and record it. It'd be kind of fun. And uh, yeah, man. So it should be, it should be a good time. And hopefully recruit people who are along this route. We'll have the map drawn out of the towns we're going to go through and people can kind of do like a Forrest Gump style and come join <laughs> for, come join for a bike or for the run. So yeah, man, I already have quite a bit of people signed up for the run uh, coming out with me in Southern California. So that should be, that should be a ton of fun. And, Again, it's just everybody who supports me and like opens up and shares their story is like it motivates me so much. I, I don't think people realize how how fulfilling it is to hear that you made a you made you know you might think that I'm inspiring you, but you're inspiring me. You know, like Thanks. beyond belief, and it's just Thank so you. cool. It's just a crazy world, man. Like <laughs> we gotta do awesome. it together, man. We gotta lean yeah, on man. each other. It's awesome. Well, sick, man. Thank you so much. Uh, Dude, I'll, I'll share this very soon. Thanks a lot, man. Awesome, man. Thank you. Yeah. Take care, man. Later.